Welcome to Growing Through Tragedy, Experiencing Life's Challenges from an Empowered Perspective. This is Leon Morton. This podcast is brought to you by the Belief Hack Brainery. And this podcast is created to provide hope, potential insight, resources for people that are struggling when life hits them in the face, when things catch them off guard, and when you go through a tragedy in your experience here on your journey. Day two, Diary of a Suicide Lost Survivor. Uh, After the first episode, we discussed the tragic event, and I'd like to continue where we left off uh, because I think there's some important points of learning in regards to some of the things that continued uh, as we did get to the hospital. Uh, Finally, the officers let me go so I could get to the hospital. And I just want to start this episode with a real uh, heartfelt empathy and compassion if you are going through this process because it is not an easy situation by any stretch. And frankly, it's probably going to be one of the most challenging things that you ever endure. But I would like to, again, provide a little bit of hope potentially for you that you can get through this. You most definitely can. And it will be a lot depending upon your mindset as you do go through this. As difficult as it is, we can all endure things for short periods of time that we never would be able to if it was an extended situation. And though this situation is never going to be able to go back to what it was, you will be able to endure this and move through it. And those are my words of hope for you as I continue to share my story. So I finally get an opportunity to go to the hospital. I believe at that point my son drove me. And we end up at the hospital. Um, She's in intensive care. And they had been working on her drastically. It was a headshot wound. And she was already on the ventilator and life support system when I got to the hospital. Uh, As I came to the floor, there were already people and friends uh, there, which was a little bit surprising to me. So the word had spread pretty quickly. And I remember the just the surreal feeling, you know, still in shock and, and walking in down the hospital hall corridor and seeing friends and having them come up and hug and and hold and say the best things that they knew to say at the time. And I remember just thinking, there's just no way in hell this is actually happening. And um, there's nothing that can be said in that space So I encourage you, if you're in this position, don't expect a whole lot from people because everybody's in a really awkward spot and nobody really knows what to say. There's not much that can be said. It's literally, I'm sorry. I'm here for you. I love you. you Whatever expressions that they might be able to make towards you. And just, if you can... Open your heart to be grateful for support, grateful for love and from family and friends. 
and give them a little bit of cushion, a little bit of slack, no matter what they might say, because they don't know. They don't know what to do. And frankly, I didn't know what to do either. So I said thank you and hugged them and um, waited for my opportunity to go in. Tentatively, of course. And uh, when I did, it sucked. It was a horrible visual. And it was a, just a shitty moment to be there. And see my beautiful love, whose head at that point looked like a damn basketball. Nothing like what I would remember her as. Hooked up on this machine that's making her breathe to keep her alive. And uh, I did not stay in the room long. I held her hand. I leaned down to give her a kiss. Told her that I love her. And then I left the room. Because for me, that's what I felt I needed to do. And I left the room. And I made a decision right there that I wasn't going to want to remember my gorgeous wife. In that way, with that vision, that I wasn't going to reinforce it for sure by continuing to be in it uh, and, and exposing myself to that. So I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do. Again, this is just my story of what I did. And then I went out to the hall. And at this point, some something just totally weird happened, and barging down the hallway was uh, was her father, and he was livid. I think he was intoxicated, and he was coming at me, like blaming me, shouting shit to me. <laughs> And I was in a pretty volatile place, and I'm not a small man by any stretch, and um, I'm very thankful that my son was there. He stepped up and very firmly handled the situation. <laughs> and my son is also not a very small man. Just totally um, de-escalated the, th the thing, which was very good. And there was not much that was going to be said between the two of us at that time. And so uh, I just let that be what it is. And, you know, maybe this is a good spot um, to discuss a quick learning lesson from something I observed in the experience. And, and that is a foundational element of NLP, actually, which is um, a process of communication rapport linguistics that I use when working with people and it definitely works when you're working with yourself also but one of the core foundational concepts if you will is the map is not the territory and what that means is people their perception of what's happening and going on around them is 100% filtered 
by all of their past references, experiences in life, the way that they were raised, all kinds of elements go into it. And without getting into that aspect of things fully here in this podcast, it is important to understand something that I've termed me-dumb, right? It's the perception of where we come from, from the kingdom of me. And everything is about that. It's perceived from what we think is happening or what we think is really happening in the situation or what we think is going on. And it comes filtered. And because of that, it it can be pretty... Um, I don't want to say self-centered, but self-focused from the onset, which then limits your ability to potentially think outside the box or put yourself in the shoes of another from their perspective. So no matter what his purpose or reasoning was coming at me with, you should have been there the whole time while she was in bed, or how did you not see that she had taken her pills, or... Or how did you, you know, why is there a gun in that? Whatever his thing might be, his perspective is coming from a completely different place than mine. So he was coming from his me-dumb, right? And what I, in my position there, of course being in shock and the whole chaos of the thing was just to not even engage in it because it wasn't going to do any bit of value. But try to consider that as you may be going through a tragedy or a difficult struggle, that the people that you are interacting with are probably doing the best they can in that moment. And try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And at minimum, don't come from your place of me-dumb where it's all about you and your perspective because that perspective very possibly is skewed in that moment. And maybe contemplation, thought, just settling and letting things mellow out before you become reactive would be a really good thing to consider. And for me, in that instance, it actually did work out that way. Um, so after I was, uh, you know, he, I think he stormed off. I don't even remember if he actually went in the room to see her at that point. And then I didn't see him for days. He didn't even show up at the celebration of life that we had and then just to finish on this quick topic it was multiple days uh, actually weeks after where I did hear from him and he came at me again from his place of me dumb to try to convince me why I should understand how he would feel that way towards me in that moment because of his stress and his anxiety and etc. And so, yeah, I could even give him the benefit of the doubt of that because, as I mentioned, people in this space are just trying to get by. They're doing the best they can. But it didn't mean I had to accept that reasoning from my place. It for sure didn't mean I had to agree with it. And I did not. And I expressed that. I said, you know what, <laughs> we've been family for years, and I don't accept that. I wouldn't have came at you like that. I appreciate you coming to me, and if this is an apology, thank you for that too. But no, I don't, I don't agree with the way that was handled. You had no thought for me in that space. And I don't need you to be in that way, but to come at me so aggressively was 
was really uncalled for and and it was it was just odd so i share that part of the story because there are going to be things that happen in this process and in your process that are just going to blindside you. Like they're going to come out of the blue and you're going to go, no way did that just happen while you're in the middle of this whole thing. And it's crazy like that. And we'll hear more of that as we read more excerpts from the diary and we go through my story here. But um, I guess the quick takeaway there is just try... Try to settle from reactiveness and being so caught up in the emotion that you're just plain reacting. Because that is when you do go into complete knee-dumb. You'll be reacting based on all of your unconscious references and fears and anxieties and things that could really be clouding every bit of your vision of what really is happening. So that's just one quick side note. I do want to address something that I found very interesting, and it was as I was sitting watching all the friends and family that continued to show up now. And it was like, literally like watching a movie. I'm watching these people cry in tears, sad, talking, some standing, no emotion, some in shock, of course, some whispering and carrying on, and again... Uh, not many people knowing what happened or what was the reason she was even in the hospital at that, at that time. So even that, observing that in people, my mind went crazy. Like, what are they whispering or, you know, just all kinds of crap. So I want to really encourage if you've, if you're in this situation, I want to really encourage you to just give yourself some space and love yourself enough to just know that all of this weird, chaotic, crazy-ass thoughts that are popping into your brain at literally a thousand miles a minute from one extreme to the next, which is deep love to anger to frustration to sadness to questioning to all these things, it's going to happen. And there's nothing that you're going to do about that. You're not creating those thoughts, but you need to be totally aware that those are going to come and go. They're going to come and go with or without your intention. And that's what leads me to today's uh, wrap-up as we will finish this episode. I want to share with you a little exercise that we can do. And this will be a maybe a starting point to potentially help in this situation. Again, you can get through this. It's it's not going to be easy, but you do have it inside of you to get through this and to come out whole on the other side. I want to strongly encourage that you seek professional help. If this is a fresh situation for you, seek professional help. If something like this has happened and you've lost a loved one in this way in the past and you have not gone out to get some professional help, I also want to highly encourage that you take your hubris and ego and pride and whatever else it might be, your fear, anxiety about wanting to talk to somebody, and you take all that shit and you put it aside and you get some professional help. There are people out there that want and are skilled and want to help you and can provide you a sounding board 
and potentially different options and different ways of dealing with this because grief in this situation is different than normal grief. It's not just the simple five steps of grief because somebody died. This is a very different situation because we still have to deal with the, the us in this scenario. All of those things, the self-blaming, the wondering, the why, the how could anybody do this to me? How did I miss this? And all of those things that I've addressed. So it's very important. I just can't encourage it enough. Get some professional help. And we have resources on our website and resources at the end of this book. And I just encourage you to do it. Now, we will talk about my process as I went through finding that in some of those resources. And there's some funny funny stories in this space. But the point is, thankfully, I was cognizant enough that I needed to get out there and literally get going and get some care for my well-being. Don't worry about what people are going to think, the fear, the potential shame, the pride, the disappointment, the anxiety. Maybe what are they all going to think about you? What are they going to think about whoever it was, the person that you lost and what they did there? The religious connotations and dogma that comes into a space in this position is also something that we need to address, and we will. But I just highly encourage you, just observe all of this stuff that's happening to you. It's going to happen, so that's all there is to it. It's just thoughts. You're literally just having thoughts. And frankly, you have thoughts all the time. And they come and they go. And this is no different. It feels more different. And the more that you nurture that feeling of fear or anxiety or frustration or what have you, obviously the more emotion continues to drive your behavior and your reactivity. And hopefully what you're going to learn as you go through this process and as, as I continue to share some of my experiences, you're going to learn that you don't have to necessarily let those moments linger for any more period of time than what they're going to. And that's also another word of encouragement that I have for you. Let the feelings come. Let the emotions come. Let the waves of anxiety and the chaos of these crazy thoughts and emotions come and then let them go. And I believe that that will be something that will be a turning point for you. It most definitely was for me. And I I also want to share real quickly in this episode, before we do this little practice for what I'd like to share with you as something that I started to do, and it was very helpful for me. I'd like to address any other uh, person out there who's listening that whatever the loss might be for you, Tragedy is a thing that happens in life. If you've lived it all, you've probably had some pretty damn tough stuff happen to you in life. The basic concepts of what I'm going to be sharing, the steps that I took to move forward and potentially try to help myself in an empowering way, will cross over to whatever the situation might be for you. And again tragedy, life losses, when you begin to, first of all, change your perspective, I call it perspective shifting, and then you get to a position where you're going to become the observer of your experience as you're going through this process, 
that's when you are going to be able to then have more clear thinking, more clear executive functioning, and more clear options of how you want to move forward, how you want to behave in the moment, all kinds of things. The way that it happened for me that was very powerful was it dawned on me the craziness of my feelings and my emotions in this space. And it dawned on me because I almost was observing it as though I was watching me go through it as opposed to letting it be dictating all of my stuff in the moment. And once that hit me, it hit me like a ton of bricks, like literally was empowering to the point of, holy shit, that's crazy. But I can see how that actually works. And so we're going to do a little quick exercise, and it's just the beginning of an exercise that helps you train your brain, and, and it's now scientifically proven to be incredibly helpful. Uh, for people in all walks of life, but uh, it's called mindfulness practice. And before we get into that, and we do this quick little practice, I just wanted to address in this place with all the craziness and all the things, and now the doctor's coming out and the nurses and they're, you know, wanting to talk to me. And so, you know, we're sitting there for for hours, it's, you know, way early in the morning and no sleep and the stress levels through the roof. And then the doctor uh, wants to have a consult with me to basically tell me that, you know, she's she's gone and that they're just keeping her alive. That I had to come to the position then where I had to make the next decision, which is, do we keep her alive or not? And my beautiful wife and loving, loving partner had such a pure heart and spirit. And she was a, um, she was really concerned that she wanted to be an organ donor if something had ever happened. And she felt the value in that. And there was a timeline that needed to be addressed because of that. So now imagine I'm in the midst of all this emotion and all this bullshit and now we're talking about logical processes of, you know, we have a certain amount of time to harvest X and we have a certain amount of time to do this and blah, blah, blah. And also knowing that her siblings and her mother was coming in from a different state. And we had to, I had to make some really tough decisions. And uh, so... Ultimately, what was decided was we were going to uh, keep her on the life support system till the following day so that her siblings could come and get a chance to say their goodbyes and then, uh, and then uh, signed off on the organ donation. And then that was the process. And I would like to say here um, that five people are living and living a better life uh, with part of my baby inside of them. And I feel a, uh, I do feel a, a sense of joy, oddly, in that space, knowing that 
those families got benefit and relief from a tragic situation. And again, that's a way of kind of looking at things that you wouldn't ever think you're even going to have to have thoughts like that, or you're going to have to figure out or justify things in the ways that we do as we go through a process like this. But it is very real, and it is very surreal at the same time, and it's just, I don't think there's any right in any of it, quite frankly. I think it is what it is, and people do what they do, and they feel what they feel, and everybody's doing the best they can. And I believe that we all have the ability to do the best we can inside of us. And so with that, I would like to share with you a, a short little practice of something that I started to do very shortly after. I didn't do this that night, so this is good for you if you're going through this process and it's still early in the process. This will be very empowering, hopefully, for you, and this will be a very nice situation for you to start to practice to help better your position, positioning in this you're bettering your options, bettering your options for thought, bettering your options for behavior, bettering your options for reactivity. And it's just simple mindfulness practice. And so what I would encourage is take the position of you observing your thoughts as you're going through them in this process. And what that means, it can be twofold. You can kind of just literally go, oh, that was a weird-ass thought, right? Or, oh, that was a horrible thought, or, ooh, that was a shitty memory or vision that I just had of something. And you just don't allow yourself to dwell on it. You don't allow yourself to put any expectations or even meaning towards it. You just literally observe it as a thought. And then just try to focus till you can without judgment or expectation or attaching meaning, you can then see that that thought will dissipate if you don't feed it. And now this is a real generic overview of the beginning of mindfulness practice, and I do have a complete program that's been customized for scenarios of tragedy like this and loss, and I would encourage you to go through that entire program, but I'm going to do a little exercises with you in each episode here. And this will kind of help you. The first thing you want to do is just literally sit and be still. Get comfortable. And as we get ready to do this, just know that there's no expectations. You're not, you're not going to have to do this right. And you're not going to do it wrong if you do something that you don't think is right. It's not wrong. It just is what it is. But I would encourage you to try it. It might bring you some relief and benefit. And, and it might just give you just that little bit of a different way to observe so that it provides a little peace in this moment. I would highly suggest that you sit comfortably and just take a couple of breaths, gentle breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth. And just observe your body real quickly. Just take a break from all this chaos. And observe your body as you breathe gently in and out. And kind of scan your body and see where is it that you might be holding some of this tension from this experience. Where is it attaching itself to you physically? I know for me it was in my neck and my shoulders. 
I felt an incredible pain in my stomach. It was like some, it was literally like a horse had kicked me right in the solar plex the moment that I had found her. And then as the weeks progressed and I started this practice, I didn't start it right away, but as I started this practice, I could feel I was holding tension in my abdomen and holding tension in my shoulders. And so I would just encourage you to take a few deep breaths in. We're not going to do this for very long. A few deep breaths in. And exhale. And in doing so, if you need to, just kind of roll your shoulders around, turn your neck, stretch it a little bit, whatever makes you feel comfortable. And just be observing of your breath and the process of breathing and just take a couple of minutes to check out as far as your mind being consumed in thought without really thinking that you're thinking and just give yourself a couple of moments to focus only on gentle breathing nothing more and if you can't get through the whole entire breath without thoughts bombarding you observe that those thoughts are there but don't hold on to them. Just let that thought go and redirect your attention back to the process of you breathing. In through the nose. And out through the mouth. And what we're doing in this practice as you continue to breathe gently and focus on the breathing. You'll hear my voice and that might trigger some thoughts. You may just find that those crazy thoughts are bombarding you. It's okay. Let that happen and then just redirect your attention back to your breath. Very gently. In through the nose. And out through the mouth. And this is actually a brain training exercise. And it might not feel like it at this moment, but I can promise you. With practice, if you consistently do this for short periods of time, even just a couple of minutes at a time, that studies show that if only for a cumulative amount of 100 minutes of this type of mindfulness practice, just focusing on the breath and the sensations in your body as you're having them, without attachment, it literally physically changes your brain. Your brain rewires. And the benefit of this, especially in a place of trauma and tragedy, is that it's going to take you out of the amygdala portion of the brain, which is stress, you know, fight, flight, freeze, fear, all that jazz. And it puts you into a position of functionality where it's going to increase your options of, quote, how you're going to choose to react and feel. It will increase your executive functioning ability. It will increase your clarity. And it will provide very powerful stress release response in your body. So that's all we're doing. That's why we're doing this. And I just want to encourage you that this is just a simple thing. It's obviously not going to take away what's happened. But if you can practice it for just a few moments at a time, when you really need to just take a break and check out for a second, sit quietly, deep breath in, 
and a nice deep exhale focusing maybe you're focusing on the breath as it passes over your lips or through your nostrils or maybe you're focusing on the breath as it inhales and expands your chest or your abdomen and just focus in on the sensory elements of the process of breathing and even if you do that just for a few moments to give yourself a chance to redirect your thinking to hone your attention skill to hone your focus skill this is going to be very helpful for us as we go through the process in the next episode we are going to talk about how and some specific elements that I put in play to help with psychological support and what that looked like and how I did it and how you can do a similar uh, thing and potentially get really good, powerful results from that as you go through this very, very difficult process. I know you can get through it. I believe in you. I highly encourage you to seek professional help. And be kind to those that are around you and supporting you and be loving. And most importantly, be loving to yourself in this moment. Allow yourself to feel and be in all of this emotional experience. And just know that it will pass and that you're going to be able to move through this in an empowered way. We'll talk to you next time. In the upcoming episodes, you will learn specific mental strategies and specific tools to implement to help cope in a tragedy of this sort. Many of these techniques are able to be used in a broad variety of life's situations and challenges, and we encourage you to utilize them wherever you see fit, where it can be helpful to you. If you are in a current situation of emergency or tragedy or deep loss and you're struggling we encourage you to get professional help right away growing through tragedy experiencing life's challenges from an empowered perspective brought to you by the belief hack brainery and we'll talk to you on the next episode